Well, good evening again. Did you have a good afternoon? Yeah, so did we. Had a great time. It's been a joy being with you folks today, and trust that the lesson tonight will reinforce some of the things that we looked at this morning. I'm going to ask you again to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and this time we're actually going to get into it a little bit. As we mentioned this morning, what we're going to be dealing with today, as you should, if you were here this morning, you already know, is the marriage relationship and the family relationship. And I was asked to speak on this in light of all the many happy events that are taking place uh, amongst the saints here. And uh, we congratulate all of you who are moving forward in this respect and trust the Lord will truly bless your lives and your marriages. Uh, in the future, and he will uh, if you put him first in your life. Uh, if you forget to do that, uh, you've got a lot of problems lying ahead of you, whether you're a believer or not. And the thing we want to emphasize this morning, and we spent all morning basically looking at Scripture, because if we look at marriage and the family, we have to focus on God's view of these things, not the world's view, and not your thoughts on those things, because more often than not, our thoughts as we live in this world begin to be centered around the thoughts of this world. So we have to be focused on God and his word and what he has to say about those things. And we looked at many different passages this morning, and the passage we're going to look at tonight is starting with verse 21 again of Ephesians chapter 5. And I want to reread verse 21 because it is really the key to the whole thing. It's tied in, really, to verse 18, where it says, Be not drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled, or better yet, controlled with the Spirit of God. And, of course, we looked at some aspects of what we talked about earlier when we got together last year. You see, if I'm going to walk in love, the love of Christ in my life, I can only do that if the Spirit of God is in control of my life. I'm not going to be able to do that on my own. And, of course, as we had in verse 8, if I'm going to walk in the light, walk as a child of light, I can't do that. I can only do that if the Spirit of God is in control of my life. And then, of course, being able to distinguish between wise things and foolish things, particularly in a spiritual sense. Again, I can't do that. But I can do it if I allow the the Spirit of God to have control of my life. And, you know, as we look at this aspect of the the three specific areas now that will be evident of the Spirit of God being in control of your life, remember we mentioned before, what is the Spirit-filled or Spirit-controlled person like? Well, it's very simply this. One who is controlled by the Spirit is Christ-centered, rather than self-centered. And when you look at the marriage relationship and the family relationship, what gets in the way of harmony in a marriage and in a family relationship? It's the emphasis on me, self. I cannot be the husband I should be if self is in control. 
My wife cannot be the wife she should be if she's in control. I cannot be the parent I should be if I'm focused on self. And you know, you cannot be the child that God wants you to be in the family if everything is centered around self. The greatest hindrance to harmony in our walk with the Lord, and particularly in the areas we're going to be talking about tonight, is the importance to understand. Be ye being controlled constantly by the Holy Spirit of God. Then you're going to be able to do the things we're going to be reading about, again, from God's Word, which deal with marriage. Now, the passages that we want to focus on are two of the three. I said there are three different relationships that are mentioned in the last part of chapter 5 that can only function as God intends them to be if the Spirit of God is in control of your life. And, of course, the first relationship is the husband and wife relationship. And the second relationship is the parent-child relationship. The third relationship that is mentioned here in Ephesians, uh, we're not going to be dealing with for two reasons. It doesn't deal with the, the area we want to deal with today. But in reality, during the time this book was written, the slave master relationship was a very real relationship. You know, you take Philemon or Onesimus, it was very common for slaves and masters to be working together. Well, in this day and age, we don't deal with that. So that's another reason why we're not going to focus on that. But we are going to focus on the two. So the first we're going to focus on is the Christian wives and Christian husbands. And we haven't studied chapter 3 in this, with this group. But in, that, in chapter 3, uh, we have seen that the church is the body of Christ. This was a mystery that was made known to Paul by the Lord himself, which was the mystery of the church. Marvelous mystery. And that's a wonderful portion to study, but we're not going to do that tonight. But it brings forth that the church, every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, makes up the body of Christ. We all belong to that same body. Every believer is a living stone in that body. And of course, we've been told also in verse 21, this aspect of submission is to one another. Every child of God who belongs to the church, the body of Christ. Now here, if we turn to the passage before us, is showing the love relationship between Christ and his bride. I don't know how often you think of yourself as the bride of Christ. Now for you, you ladies, that's a little bit easier to think about. But you know, as a man, I'm used to being on the other end of that. But you see, the church is the bride of Christ. Christ, yes, in essence, is the husband. But basically, he's the head of the church, the bride of Christ. And it's important you understand this principle as we read through this. So let's read together now, first of all, about husbands and wives, because you see, that's where we're going to begin. And what I want to mention concerning one other thing is this. Wives, 
wives here tonight and wives to be. As we read through this, you have to understand you are a type of the church. So keep in mind, when we're talking about wives, you're being related to the church, the body of Christ, and the bride of Christ. And the husbands are a type of Christ. You know, when they read these verses at my wedding, I didn't think about that. I'll be very honest. I mean, I knew the passage, but I really wasn't thinking about that. And I don't think very many people, when they get married, even though this passage is read, understands what's really being brought before them. You know, as you're taking those vows, and as you now are going to be, be uniting yourself to one another, it's important you understand from God's view, wives, you are a type. You typify the church. And husbands, you typify Christ in his relationship to the church. That's pretty powerful stuff. And I want you to keep that in mind, not just tonight, but as you leave here and as you go forward, understand when you make those vows in God's view, from God's perspective, there's a much greater demand placed upon you than the ordinary person because you have this divine nature within you as a child of God. In essence, he's saying in this husband and wife relationship, I expect you to conduct yourself in this manner. Now, having said that, let's read the passages concerning the church or the, the, the marriage relationship. Now, it's interesting to note he begins here with the wives. So let's just focus on verses 20 through 24. He says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is a saver or preserver of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Three simple little verses. Really quite self-explanatory. But a passage that in the lives of many women who get married makes their hair stand right up on end. Because you see... The world's view of being subject or in submission or yielding, well, that's taboo today. We're all equal. We're all on the same level. I don't have to submit any more than anybody else. But you see, we're looking at this from, God, from the Lord's point of view. And remember, wives, you are a type of the church. Is the church to submit to Christ? Yes, we're supposed to. But you know, as a church, we have failed miserably in that. It's, it's amazing to me in Christendom today how Christ really is not 
reverenced, given his proper position as head. Oh, we know what he says. I'll think about it. If it's something that I'm willing to do, I'll do it. If it kind of goes against my grain, eh, I'm sure he'll understand. No. You see, that we are to be in submission as the church to Christ. He's the head, we're the body. And, this, and the body of Christ is a marvelous place to be a part of. But in this relationship, as we talk to our dear sisters here, wives are brought <clears throat> before us. And again, simply what it says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. And it says, as unto the Lord. It really means an obedience to the Lord. Now, why is that? Why is the wife supposed to be in an attitude of obedience or submission to the husband? Well, because the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. The wife, who, do you, who are you a type of? The church. Why does the church have to submit to Christ? Because he's the head of the church. And what you do as you have this uh, spirit of submission before you, you're doing something that pleases the Lord. And not only is he the head of the church, he's a saver or preserver of the body, the church. He takes care of us. He preserves us. He keeps us. You know, he saves us. He keeps us. Someday he's going to present us faultless before the presence of his glory. He has a great deal of interest in his church. He cares for it. He loves it. He's doing all these things for us. The relationship between Christ and the church suggests that the wife is just to regard the obedience she has rendered to her husband as obedience rendered to Christ. I don't know how many of you wives who have been married for a while have really thought about it that way. When you live in obedience and, and honor your husband, in doing so, you are really living in obedience and honoring the Lord. That's really the most important thing. That's what he's asked you to do. Well, then why not do it? See, bring honor to the Lord by doing what he's asked you to do. The Christian husband being head of the wife and representing to her Christ the head of the whole Christian body. You see, when you acknowledge these things, remember, you're focusing in on the fact you are a type of the church. So when you say those vows <laughs> and you hear these words spoken, think what it means. In God's view, this is very important. And, you know, thus the wife in her submission is to bear witness to the blessed relationship of Christ and his church. And, you know, you know, she has here, and I'm talking about the bride, she as the church has the blessed privilege of being in subjection. Now, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands here from the, the wives. But how many of you really considered a privilege 
to be in a place that the Lord has given you in the church to be in submission. You really consider that a privilege? You should. Because, see, it represents what the church should be to Christ. As people see you in subjection, submission, obedience, that attitude, that spirit, it reflects what the church is in relationship to Christ. Yeah, I know the church is failing, but that doesn't mean we have to fail. We should be in submission to the Lord. In all things, that's what the Lord has asked wives to do. Now, let's look at husbands. We're not going to beat on any one of them to any extent. Let's read verses 25 to 29. Now we're talking to husbands. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now, husbands, what are you a type of? Christ. You know, as you start reading this, it says, husbands, love your wives. Well, if I stop there, I could decide what that kind of love is. But it doesn't stop there. What is the criteria? I'm to love my wife as Christ loved the church. And I shouldn't say loved and leave it there. Loved, loves, and always will love the church. Now, how much did the Christ love the church, the body of Christ? Well, he sacrificed himself. He gave of himself. He didn't do anything for himself. Everything he did was for the church. Yes, his body, his bride. Now, you talk about a difficult task. You know, I've often said, uh, when you talk about this aspect of being the head and being in subjection, from a human perspective, I would have loved to have the role switched. You know, it's not a wonderful thing to be the head. Tremendous responsibility to be the head. Christ is the head of the church. What a privilege the ladies have to be a type of the church who then is to submit to him. But you see, as the head, oh, how Christ loved me. How Christ loves his church. And you know, all of this begins, I believe, in the marriage relationship and in the family. 
And you better listen, fellas. It begins with the, the man. You are the one responsible for the tone of your marriage and the tone of your family. You're the head. Christ has given you that to represent. Now, obviously, we can't be as Christ. But we should keep in mind the responsibility that is there. And as you think about love, you know, love, this word love here is agapeo with two O's at the end. Now, the, the total significance of that I really don't understand, but it does re refer to three aspects of love concerning God. And this should be carried over. It's love that God is. 1 John 4, 8. God is love. That's tied in as God loved the church. Secondly, the love that God showed on Calvary. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In your life, and you're to go grow together in Christ. So you study the Word of God together, you pray together. Okay? You depend on each other in the Lord. When children come along, you raise them in the ways of the Lord. He'll give you the guidance and direction and the strength to deal with it. But understand, when we look at these aspects of life, it's God's view that matters. Not the world's. Please don't go in the direction of the world. It'll just drag you down. And I know some of you have come up with your own thoughts. And maybe we can compromise here or there. Get that out of your mind. It's God's way, and that's the only way. And if that is before you, the Lord will bless your marriage. He will bless your family. You will be a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the love of Christ to you and your submission to him. It's a relationship we have with the Lord that we can demonstrate before the world in the way we live as a husband and wife and as a family. May the Lord bless these few thoughts and challenge your hearts. Not just today, but as you move forward, this is your guidebook to a happy marriage and a happy family. You set this aside, you're gonna have trouble. Shall we pray? Our gracious God and dear Heavenly Father, we just wanna thank you and praise you again for your beloved Son and our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We've dealt with a subject today that is so important to you. We understand the importance of it as we observe our own lives. We're so thankful for the love that Christ had for the church. We've all experienced it as believers. We understand from your word that we are to have a submissive spirit. And why wouldn't we when we consider the great love wherewith you have loved us? We understand that these things are to be emphasized in the lives of those who are united in marriage. May the wives here and the wives to become, or who will become wives, understand that they represent the church before the world.
and the church's submission to thee. We pray that the husbands will love their wives, demonstrating the love of Christ for his bride, the church. May we raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so they too may grow up, be God-fearing young men and women. Just help us, Lord, to apply these things in our lives in the days and the weeks and the months and even the years that may lie ahead. Part us now with your blessing. Bring us to our various homes in safety, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.